0: Welcome to the Cedarville Stories Podcast. Jake Johnson is wise beyond his years. How so? Because he's been blessed with the gift of knowing what he doesn't know, then the foresight to seek out those who have the experience and wisdom he hopes to exercise in his life. Enjoy this fun conversation between Student Body President Jake Johnson and your host, Mark
1: Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and I want to remind you to be sure to subscribe to this podcast because I don't want you to miss a single episode. The podcast is well past 13,000 downloads, but there's still room to increase the number of subscribers. So will you subscribe today? Thanks. Since the podcast first started, I've talked with several students about their experiences on campus and their dreams for the future. Today, however, I'm going to talk with a student who has his finger on the pulse of campus life and even spent a lot of time in Vice President Mike Pence's office in 2019. I'm talking about Jake Johnson, a senior who was originally from Colorado Springs, Colorado, but his parents now call Hawaii home. That must be a tough place to go on College Breaks, Jake. Uh, Jake is the current student student body president. And as I look at the calendar, his time in this role is rapidly coming to an end with graduation just around the corner. You know, as I, as I think where I wanna go on the podcast, actually the first place I wanna start is um, knowing that your parents are now living in Hawaii uh, and that you're a political science major. Uh, have you, been able to go to Pearl Harbor uh, since your parents live in Hawaii? And if you did, what was it like?
2: Yeah, uh, great question, which I don't have a very good answer for, Mark. I've only been able to go uh, to Hawaii twice, once while quarantine and COVID was a thing, and the second time was only for a week. Neither of those times was I able to make it out to Pearl Harbor and see the sites. but I do enjoy history and learning yeah. about that. So it's going to be one of those steps that I'll, uh, that I'll go to.
1: Where are your parents living in in Hawaii?
2: They are in Kailua, which is um, on the island of Oahu, kind of on the southeastern, eastern side.
1: What took them there?
2: Um, My dad is in investments. And so his business partner, who lived in South Africa before Hawaii, made the move. And my dad was commuting two weeks there in Hawaii, two weeks back in Colorado. um, And they just decided it was better for the family and the finances to just make the trip out.
1: But still at heart, you're a Colorado guy, aren't you? Yeah, I am, Mark, I am. Was it hard to see your parents uh, make that move and so then maybe you won't see your friends as much as you normally would?
2: Yeah, it's it's unique in that my older brother, who is a serial graduate, 2019, he still lives in the area with his wife, uh, Carson. And then my older sister also lives in the Colorado area. So whenever we have a break, I will, usually actually hang out in Colorado for a bit with them and see friends before, uh, if I make a trip out to Hawaii.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's neat. And, uh, I tell you what, you couldn't pick two better places to live, uh, Colorado Springs and Hawaii. So, um, enjoy it while you have it. And I wanted to talk about leadership with you because, yeah. uh, you're in a leadership role at Cedarville as a student body president in your role it's president. What's it been like uh, this this school year as the the leader of the students?
2: It's first of all been great. Like it has been so growing and being able to do it around incredible people. Um, Oftentimes it's said that the role of president or the role of leader in any group is either the hardest or the easiest, depending on the quality of the team you have around you. Um, And because of the team I have around me, it's one of the easiest positions because people are, are firing on all cylinders in terms of, our S.J. Chaplin, our our vice president, our directors. So it's been great. It's been an awesome opportunity to meet with people like Dr. John Wood and learn from him, learn from his leadership, and and then go out and be the voice of the students, hear what they're saying, be able to communicate that, and see some things change as a result, which is always really encouraging. Growing, I think it's good for me to remember that I'm still a student leader. Like I'm at the same time a student and a student of leadership and trying to, um, trying to encourage where I can. So it's been growing, but it's been really
1: good. What's a, what's the primary role as president? Is it really just kind of like a liaison between the students and student life or the university?
2: Yeah. So essentially the president leads the SGA team in their mission to be a voice for the students, a voice for the administration and to bolster campus morale. So the first one, we do that voice of the students. Whenever we, John would often asks us for feedback on how students are doing. And so we're able to communicate that. And then we're able to do the same thing the other way as well. When the administration wants to communicate a message, we use our social media platforms and sometimes in chapel to communicate that to students. And then finally, we do a lot with events. So a leave and JS, which are normal end-of-the-year activities, those fall under SGA and our event directors. All the student organizations, which there's about 70 or so, People from like the swim team or the swim club or things like people who like to use Nerf guns and, and have Nerf wars, <laughs> uh, things like that. Those 70 people fall under our SGA involvement directors and then campus community, which I believe you've talked to Rufus Matthew before on the podcast.
1: I have. He's, he's a wonderful guy is incredible. You, you got a great director there. Um, Rufus is going to make things happen and it's going to bring great energy. So that's that's a great decision by the, by the leader. Yeah. By you. So
2: it, it's been great. And we've just been blessed by the team that we have around us. Cam Sardano, our SJ chaplain, has done an incredible job just delivering gospel-centered messages from uh, Colossians. And so, yeah, we have an excellent team.
1: When, when I... When I speak about leadership to you, I'm interested in knowing what's your definition of leadership and how do you like to lead your team? If I had to,
2: if I had to think through a definition of leadership, it include, it include, it would include words like being a servant, serving other people, being a chief encouragement to the people you're leading, but also setting direction and vision for the members of your team. And so when I think of leadership, like several influential people come to mind one of which is my older brother. He set an incredible example. He's in the army now, but an incredible example of just confident decision-making in addition to being the hardest worker in the room. And so that's something I aspire to be in terms of leadership. And then casting vision, that's always like super fun, but also kind of a weighty weighty uh, responsibility of the leader because you set the direction of the team. If you don't set the direction, everybody's really just doing their own thing as a member of a group, but they're really not a team working <laughs> towards a goal. I don't know if that answers the question, but-
1: No, that's a great answer. And uh, when I think of your time in this role, have there been, you probably mentioned it with with John Wood, but are there other leaders on campus who have come alongside you to really help you develop your leadership as a student?
2: Uh, Yeah, from a staff side, General Reno comes to mind as somebody who sets an incredible example of humble leadership, um, even with his military background and doing incredible things. And serving in ways that none of us could probably imagine that he served, but still he humbly interacts with anybody he talks to, puts their needs above his own, uh, will just walk through scripture instead of just answering a question with his experience, even though he has so much experience, he'll choose to go to the Word of God and say, this is really the source of wisdom, let's talk about that. So General Reno is one, Dr. Rick Nelson is another who's grown me as a leader, Um, somebody to bounce ideas off of, somebody to um, talk through just strategies, how to handle conflict within a team, how to talk to team members about things that we see that they could be growing in, how to manage those conversations and do it in a way that combines both truth and grace. So so those two. And then Dr. Estes has been somebody who's grown me in just um, my walk with the Lord, which has impacted my leadership as well, and just taught me what it looks like to just care for people. Dr. Estes does that incredibly well, and so um, list, he's an incredible listener. So, and listening is just one of the most important things about leadership. And so, he does that really well. Sets a model. So, some of the things that I've learned about leadership has just have just been by osmosis through just being with people who are incredible leaders and a part of the incredible staff of Cedarville.
1: Yeah, I think that's really the best way to learn. Personally, from my perspective, is being around people, watching, following. Compared to being a, a book smart uh, learner, uh, because you get to see you get to see the real person. How have you been able to transfer these lessons that you've learned from General Reno, uh, Dr. Melson, uh, Dr. Estes uh, to your team?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. The first thing that comes to mind is learning from them in a way that's not merely just knowledge based, but it's actually application. I think Dr. Estes says, truth that is learned but not lived forms calluses on the soul. And that's something he talks a lot about just in freshman Bible in the gospel class. And so I really do try and ask a lot of questions, learn from them, try and kind of write notes and think through it on paper, what we've talked about our conversations, and then go out and apply it just in the way that I'm, I'm living and leading the team. So when it's specific pieces of advice that they give me, I try and I try and use that in conversations with team members or in other ways, it's just kind of ways to be a better leader just personally um, and start by meeting myself and then being able to go out and lead a team.
1: You probably have heard this because if you spend any time with General Reno, you you probably have heard the concept of seeking to serve. I I, I sat in a semester long class with with him on leadership and that's one of the things that was drilled into my mind, seek to serve. A true leader is a person who uh, serves and doesn't isn't desiring to be served. So I I commend you for learning that lesson such at a young age. I want to transition a little bit uh, and still stay on leadership because it's 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 who you are, but um, also who you are is a follower of Jesus. And so I'm interested in really learning your journey story of coming to know Christ in a personal way. Could you share that with us right now?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So my parents taught me the gospel at a young age, and so when I was five, I accepted the Lord Jesus into my heart, while not understanding obviously the full implications of that. Yeah. And growing up, my uh, dad set a really good example of being in the Word on a daily basis. So he'd in our um, in our house, he'd be upstairs with tea because uh, my my mom didn't like coffee, so we had tea in the mornings. <laughs> so He'd be like, hey come up and have tea, and then you can read. And so we were able to do that. And so when I was 13 or 14, just started reading the Bible for myself and starting to grow in that. Um, and then during my junior and senior years of high school, some of some family members ended up walking away from the faith, mm-hmm. people who I looked up to and respected a lot. Because of that, the questions that they wrestled through and to, to a certain extent are still wrestling through today are questions that I had to think about for myself. Um, and as a junior and senior in high school, i I al- had also done about uh, six years of competitive speech and debate. So I competed across the country, went to national tournaments, and so I had a very logical mind and wanted to critically think through everything. And so when I came across a theological question that I didn't have the answer to, first of all, I got very stressed and was confused, but also didn't like to talk to people about it because of because I just felt like I should know the answers. And so, the Lord in uh, very clear ways introduced me to some people who I could be vulnerable with and just let them know what was going on in my heart and in my mind. And through those people, um, it was actually at a summer camp, Summit Ministries in Colorado Springs, Manitou Springs, um, just a, a staff member there just being like, Hey, how's life going? And it was just that senior year, right after senior year before I came to Cedarville and I was just like, here's how I'm doing. And it's like, I'm, I've got a lot of questions, and they just were kind enough to listen. Not have to; they didn't have all the answers, but they were kind enough to listen. And so, slowly began to grow, seeing just how the Lord would reveal Himself to me in very specific ways, whether it was through conversations or in times of prayer or worship, just answering prayer, and seeing that, and just growing. And then, when I was a freshman in in at Cedarville during a interview with Summit Ministries, going back to staff. One of the the interviewers asked me, "Who are your mentors?" And I was like, "Uh, "I don't know if I have any." And so that question catapulted me into going and seeking out people like Dr. Estes, like Dr. Nelson, and all the people who poured so much into me. Um, And God used that that interview to ask me a question that sparked probably so much growth. And so there was a senior who like came alongside me my sophomore year and just so much into me, Dan Done. he's still a good friend, close friend. And so there are all these different avenues that the Lord has worked in order to deepen what I truly believe and and love to talk about. And I'm continually learning, and I hopefully, probably, as you know, will keep learning year after year, after month, day after day of just daily faithfulness, daily reading the Word.
1: Well, it's a, it's a process. It's You haven't arrived, none of us have arrived. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a day by day journey, and I commend you on that. So as I think about um, what you just said, and you you may have touched on it a little bit, but I want to maybe go a little deeper if I can. I want to believe that your four years at Cedarville University uh, really helped you or spiritual development and growth. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk about that, and in what ways has Cedarville played a role in that, and what tools did they use to help your spiritual growth uh, mature?
2: That is an excellent question almost four years ago I am an entirely different person than what when I was coming to campus I had like a lot of energy and a lot of excitement and um even it was during my freshman year I was like oh I might might want to do something like an SGA president just kind of like I was a dreamer I still am to a certain extent but over time he's just used the people at Cedarville um the people who are way farther down the line than me in their walks with the Lord, people like Dr. Wood um, and all those people. But he's also used the people right around me. Not in, and a lot of them were not even in direct leadership roles. Some of them were, who just would be willing to sacrifice their time that was really valuable to meet with me and ask, answer any questions that I would have. Uh, But people who saw something in me that, um, and it was probably just, out of their love for the Lord and saying, oh, this is a person who has a lot of questions, needs a lot of help. So (laughs) (laughs) I might as well talk to him. And that was just influential. Like Dan who I mentioned earlier, uh, would just meet with me on a weekly basis, open the Bible and say, Hey, what, what questions do you have? I don't know all the answers, but let's, uh, let's talk about them at least to voice them. It's okay to ask any, any questions. Um, and he said something that I still remember to this day. Uh, just pretty much telling me the verse in, I think it's Galatians where it says, bear each other's burdens. And it just says, Jake, I'm like, I want to bear this burden with you of all this, like everything that's gone on with the family members. And that meant more than more than he knew in that those sorts of things. The the place of Cedarville draws people who are convictional and not ne- not just cultural in their Christianity, who want to find a place to plug in, to live a life and grow. That is um, in accordance with God's word, in accordance with kind of his set of values and his system of values. And it's just a unique place where there are so many people running after the Lord and wanting to pull people behind them, of which I was one of those that people have pulled. So I'm so grateful for the people at
1: Cedarville. Yeah, and you've done the same thing. You, you've helped pull people in your three and a half, four years, I, I, I would think. And so, Hope so, yeah, that's just a model that uh, we, we live on a day by day basis, whether it's here at Cedarville or, you know, in our community or whatever we're doing. We need to we do need to bear other people's burdens and and be that uh, salt and light into a, in a very dark world. As I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you worked uh, for a few months in Vice President Mike Pence's office in Washington D.C., yeah, I, I'm really curious. What did you learn from this opportunity? That's a great opportunity.
2: Yeah, it was a blessing, and part of even getting the White House internship program was unexpected. And I'm certain it didn't come from my uh, resume because even though I'm a political science student, I'm not I'm not a news junkie. I'm not uh, involved in you know political campaigns from you know the time I was 14 or something. None of those uh i just had a desire to serve and i looked up to the vice president quite a bit so when i applied to the program he was among the first of many offices that i'd say these are my desired offices to work for which you don't get to to pick but it kind of works as a draft system get into the program any number of offices could draft you and so even getting drafted into uh the vice president's office was a blessing and while i was there just working right under an incredibly faithful Christian man. He just taught me so much about hard work, about what it looks like to live a life just as a staff member in politics that is also glorifying to the Lord. And so he said something during this during this internship. I was able to just kind of. I would usually just ask him questions after work. Sometimes say, like, Hey, uh, I just was thinking of something. Could I just get your insights on this? And he'd always take the time, which I'm grateful for. But I was asking him, what does success looks like, look like in politics? And he looks at me and he says something I'm, I won't ever forget. And he says, well, if I get to the end of my life and I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, I know I've been I know I've been successful in politics. And I was like, so first of all, how many people in DC have that mindset that I just get to work right under all the time? So it's incredible. Such a blessing. And that's just changed the way that I think about, okay, my vocation, my career, When I wherever and um, whatever I end up doing, I hope at the end of my life and and knowing just scripturally the words well done, good and faithful servant are extended to the children of God, um, those who are saved in in Jesus. And so that kind of changed the way that I thought about my career. And then also also seeing the way that the vice president lives, which uh, I went into the program with a lot of respect for him and I entered the program with probably 10 times the amount of respect. That i had for him going in i wasn't any special intern so i just interacted with them a few times but the times that i did interact with him were he was extremely genuine extremely kind because he's from indiana he has connections to cedarville which was just it was wild to me while i was talking with the vice president of the united states and here i am like i have a mutual friend with him, uh just a former ra their family just well, something like that that's just all right lord you're doing something beyond me. And it's not about me. And it's not, it's not about, you know, skills or gifts or, you know, resume that I've built. It's just a grace from the Lord. And so there are all these, there are all these stories that came from that internship that in the moment I was just blown away thinking to myself, I'm a, at the time, 20 year old college student from Colorado Springs. And here I am doing something as wild as this. And it just blew me away. So it was, it's looking back at at my college experience, it's a highlight.
1: Uh, how, could it not, how could it not be a highlight to get to work in the vice president's office, uh, get to interact with him on occasion? Were you uh, intimidated at first when you first uh, met Vice President Pence?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a, uh, a funny, funny story. He, uh, so Halloween, the Eisenhower executive office building right next to the White House, it had, it sets up for Halloween. So all the offices do something. And the seven interns for the vice president were tasked with, um, setting something up in, uh, his office. So he has two offices, one in the West wing, one in the Eisenhower executive office building. And so we set up kind of something like a, uh, something like a, a runway and then a little hangar. and kids would come in make a paper airplane and then throw them down. He comes in and the, the first word's he kind of looks around. He kind of looks at it quizz like quizzically, and I was like, "Well, it's a runway, sir." And he just like kind of stares at me. And he's like, "Huh?" And then turns around. And I was like, oh, "I just feel so awkward." <laughs> and so I was just like, "Those are the, the first words I have ever spoken to the vice president of the United States." Where it's a it's a runway.
1: That's a great story. So, when I think about your experience, was there a a farewell uh, opportunity that you had with him, or is it like when your internship's over with? You you just left and. You never said said hi to him or goodbye to him or anything like that.
2: One of the highlights of the entire internship program was towards the end in there the last couple of weeks, they really they really took like took the interns into some really cool places. One of which they let us go and look around Air Force Two, the the plane of the vice president, and just see Marine Two come in and land with the vice president coming in from the me. Naval Observatory, which is where the vice president lives. In around DC. So he comes in on the helicopter and then comes and meets us at the base of Air Force Two and then gets on it and goes to Georgia or something, but had a brief interaction there with him. Um, and so things like that happened right before like we were driving there to to kind of go and tour the plane and then meet the vice president. And then the president and his envoy like pull up in front of us, get on Air Force One, and then fly off the tarmac of joint base Andrews. So it was just like, this is, this is, you know, mind blowing, everything that was happening. Um, so things like, things like that. And then at the very end, kind of the pinnacle of it all is he invited each of his interns back to have a, just a one-on-one conversation with him and and take a picture in his West Wing office. And so um, that was the, that was the time where I was actually looking at a picture of him on the wall. And then I turn around and like he's in it. That's him in his office. And so I walk in and um, they're like, Hey, this is Jake Johnson. He, he works in your correspondence office. And I was like, Hey, sir, it's good to meet you. And, um, and then just had maybe two or three minutes of conversation, just telling him a, kind of my background, what, how the internship was. And he was so kind during that entire interaction and encouraging too. And we talked a little bit about Cedarville and things like that.
1: He li- he, he likes us, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, he does. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that uh, legally, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, we could say that he probably does. I'll I'll put it that way. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you got to go into Air Force Two. Did you ever get to fly in Air Force Two or Marine? Marine Two. One or two, whatever. Yeah. No,
2: no. It wasn't that special. But we did we did get to experience just a little bit of it, but never never a flight.
1: Uh, that's that's great. What what memories uh, you will take with you for life? Uh, just from that, uh, what four months was it? Four months you were with them?
2: Yeah, three and a half.
1: Three and a half. And and the life lessons that you learned uh, are invaluable, and uh, they're going to serve you well. We we're running out of time, unfortunately, but I I want to really touch on what's next for Jake Johnson. I know um, you have some plans after graduation, which when this airs, uh, there's only going to be like four to six weeks left in the school year. So you're almost a graduate when this program airs. So what's next for Jake?
2: Yeah, because of spending some time in D.C. and the relationships that I've, I've built there as a intern, I'll be returning to D.C. to work in a Senate office um, as a staff assistant for an Oklahoman senator um, by the name of Jim Enhoff. Um, and so as school comes to a close, I'm hoping to finish out well here and just pour into people try and express my gratitude to those people who have poured so much into me um, and try and kind of run well during the rest of the semester. And then I'll have a couple of weeks. I'll attend a wedding and then I'll um, drive out to D.C. and then start working there.
1: It's going to be fun to follow your career, uh, I, I think. And, and when I think about politics and faith, uh, politics is a place where it seems like believers seem to shy away from like they we don't want to get into the the political world because it's messy and 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 ugly at times which we all, we all know it is uh, but uh, what a better place for a believer uh, to have a huge impact in our world in our in our country um, for and for the American people so I want to applaud you for for uh, moving in this direction, and uh, we'll we'll see what the Lord uh, does for you. What, what will you be doing with uh, the senator?
2: Yeah. So um, as a staff assistant, I'll be helping out around the office, pretty much doing just a litany of things. So on any given day, I could be helping out with uh, domestic policy proposals, committee work, uh, answering phone calls, giving tours, uh, helping out with the chief of staff, doing anything that is kind of on his plate and then serving the senator um just as a as a personal assistant figuring out things that he would need um, and then trying to meet those needs so um not quite sure how it'll look cuz i've never been in a position like it before um never served in the senate before as an intern or anything so in some in some sense i'm i'm going in a little bit unaware but um i do i, I do know the people who are going to be in that office and I, i'm really excited to work with them
1: How did you get this position? What, uh, what opened up for you in in that regard?
2: Yeah. So, um, as an intern, while I was in DC, I lived about five minute walk away from a church called Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Um, pastor Mark Dever leads it and at the church, um, met a friend and then a friend introduced me to another friend of his, who's the chief of staff for the Senator. Um, but He's from Oklahoma. I was originally born in Oklahoma before our family moved from Oklahoma to Colorado. And so just automatically, I was like, oh, this is a guy who I can learn a lot from. And also there's a, a random Oklahoman connection. And so uh, over several meals, I got to know him and, and he is just excellent, excellent at his job and somebody who really cares for people really well. And I've learned a lot from already and uh, just staying in contact with him over the over the years over maybe a year and a half since I was in DC, uh, an opening came up. And so we were talking and was able to, was able to take the job there.
1: Jake, I have time for one last question. And, uh, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, at the core of the podcast, actually you should know it because you told me you're an avid podcast listener or Cedar for stories podcast An avid listener. I love it. But, uh, so, so then you do know that, um, at our core, our purpose is to share Cedarville stories for God's glory. Yeah. So my question to you as we exit the podcast is, how do you hope or believe your work, your life is bringing God glory?
2: That's a good question. Uh, What comes immediately to mind is an analogy from from General Reno, and he's a big basketball player. Uh, I love basketball as well. And so he was talking about how, sometimes in life we are called to be just one of the players and we have a short window of time to live our lives they're pretty they're short days in the context of all eternity and so what tasks we're given whether it's a defensive position or whether it's dribbling the ball or whether it's shooting any of those you do that task faithfully and you do it well and then you pass the ball along and then other players into the game you leave And so in that kind of that analogy has helped me think through what it looks like to just be faithful to the task that I've been given, whether it's dribbling the ball, whether it's passing, shooting, being a defender and all those things in basketball. But in life, whatever God has called me to, um, I want to do that faithfully. So right now, doing my work faithfully means being a faithful student body president, being a faithful student, being a faithful friend, being a faithful church member. And so, but I want to be faithful with the task before me. And through that faithfulness, hopefully give God, give glory to a God who is extremely faithful and never leaves us nor forsakes us.
1: Oh, that's wise. That's wise advice. You are um, wise beyond your years and uh, you have a bright future uh, as you continue to walk uh, hand in hand with the Lord. And as you do that um, for our podcast listeners, uh, if you think about it, pray for Jake Johnson as he continues his uh studies at Cedarville, but then moves on to work in the center's office in Washington, D.C. It's an important role, and he has uh, great um, opportunities to influence and make a difference. So, Jake, uh, it was a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better today on the podcast. Um, please stay in touch. I'll be following your career, hmm. and I just wish you the very best as you move forward. Thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Mark.
0: Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.